Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I'm excited about um, where we are as a church. Um, you know, recently um, one of our staff, um, um, Kristen, sent me sent the staff up a, a, a devotion, or actually an email linked to a devotion on um, this last week. I think it was might have been Thursday, Thursday or Friday. And it was, um, I, I made a blog out of it, but it was a word from um, um, the, the Dick Mills devotional. Now, you know, those of you that have been around here a while, you know, Brother Dick had a major impact on my life as an early Christian back in 76. And from that time to the time he went to be with the Lord just a couple of years ago, he, he was speaking into my life. And um, he was a man of God, a prophet out of the Foursquare Gospel Church. And um, he, he has a devotion that was published for January 30th that I thought was very timely and it's about about 180 180 degree turnarounds and um, that's that's what I've you know we feel like God's speaking to us to embrace him let him turn us around and follow after the Lord but here's um, my blog with Dick's devotion in it Philippians 313 180 brethren I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, you know, that remi- every time I read that, it reminds me, Paul and David were all about being focused on one thing. And that one thing was the same one thing. It was the, it was the focus on Christ, focus on the glory of God. Fo- David was talking about the glory in the temple, and, da- and Paul was talking about following, after the, the, about following after Christ. Now, forgetting those things which are behind, everyone say, forgetting those things which are behind. It's those things behind us sometimes that hang on to us, that we carry around like luggage. And sometimes it's the, it's the skeletons that we're carrying, and sometimes it's the trophies. But they both cause us problems. They're both bad news. You need to leave the trophies and the skeletons in the past. Forgetting those things which are behind, and reach it forward to those things which are ahead. Victory Fellowship is celebrating today 36 years of ministering to the New Orleans area. The Lord has blessed us beyond our dreams and expectations. We are very thankful, but more hungry than ever for more. We believe the Lord has challenged us in 2015 with the theme 180. He's calling for a complete turnaround to follow after him and his plan. One of the great influences on our church over the years has been Dick Mills. Even though he's no longer with us, his words still speak to us. Here is his devotion for January the 30th. Think it may be prophetic. Wouldn't it be wonderful, Dick says, if we could open the top of our head like a lid, reach inside our brain, and clear out all the traumatic memories. The next step would be to put the lid back on and go on our way with a mind cleared of painful and hurtful associations with our past. It can't be done. This verse tells us we can turn a hundred, or it can be done, I'm sorry, it can be done. Everyone going to say it can be done. It can be done. This verse tells us we can turn 180 degrees from looking into our past and can begin to confidently peer into the future. One time, a very godly person had a vision of me bound to past memories. A prayer went up, Lord, free Dick Mills from being chained to the past, even if you have to give him a vision to do so. It happened that very evening while I was in prayer. I saw a vivid picture of myself sitting in a chair with chains linking me to the past. I could see many signposts all in a row. The closest signpost was marked with the date of the preceding year. The one behind it showed the date of the year before that. There were 20 posts in all receding in time. 
I was 24 when this event took place. In the picture, I was chained to all 20 of those past years in my life. My back was to the future, and I was facing the past. Wow. In desperation, I cried out to God, Lord, I'll never be able to adequately minister to the needs of the people until these chains are removed. Dear Jesus, free me from this bondage. This verse in Philippians 3.13 and others came to me, and immediately the chains came off. I did a complete turnaround, and I was gloriously freed so I could get on with what the Lord had called me to do. So he's talking about being delivered from, his, from the memories of his past. The Lord has new things, unprecedented things reserved for us individually and corporately. Let's turn around, shake ourselves, and follow on to seek the Lord. This could prove to be the defining year of our lives. Now, I want to read a, this passage that that came from, starting with verse 7, and read through a few verses. So, I'll, you know, let's, this morning, I'm just going to ask the Lord to, to do this work that Dick experienced, for him to come down by his spirit and by his word and do brain surgery on every one of us. Um, heart bypass sometimes, but brain bypass is always necessary. Brain bypass surgery this morning. Bypass the brain and wash it and clean in the blood of Jesus. So, but whatever gain I had, Paul said, Philippians 3, 7, I'd count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Now, Paul was talking about his, his position. He was, in a, he was very politically connected, one of the leading Pharisees. He had plenty of, of influence, political influence, plenty of finances, and recognition, whatever he wanted. He was, he was set for life in, the, in his career as a Pharisee. But whatever gain I, I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. I walked away from that. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, the val knowing Christ is greater treasures. Same thing that Moses said. He, he, Moses left the treasures of Egypt, living in Pharaoh's house, embracing the treasure which is called Christ. Amen. Indeed, he says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, that's an, a very nice translation, but it's not accurate. Actually, it would be called, it would be, it'd be better translated, dog C-R-A-P. That's the literal word that Paul used. We translate it rubbish because it's, the other word is too cr 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 crass, too crude. But he was saying, now, I, I treat it like C-R-A-P, the, the stuff that I used to have, the riches I used to have, riches I used to have in comparison to knowing Christ. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I might attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it. But one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I, this, is what, this is what I want to talk about today. Forgetting the past and embracing God's tomorrow for your life. 
And it's, it's, um, it's simple, but it's hard at the same time. So just, I want to teach a little bit, share a little bit, put your thinking cap on with me. Acts 3.19, Peter was preaching about the same thing, and he said it like this, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He, he talked about three things in that short passage. He talked about conversion. Conversion. Everyone say conversion. Now, conversion is not simply a change of heart, but such a change that enthrones God in the heart. Such a change that enthrones God in the heart. So the change, the Lord is causing us to do a 180, and it's, it's something that has to happen on a daily basis in our life where we set aside our own agenda, set aside me, and we place Christ again like the song we sing today is the center of it all, is the center of our life. We enthrone Christ. We acknowledge Him as Lord. That's why worship and prayer is so important day to day because that's exactly what we're doing. I am I'm repenting. I'm turning away from the flesh. I'm turning away from myself. And I'm, I'm enlarging Christ. I'm magnifying Christ on the throne of my life. I'm acknowledging Him as Lord of all things and Lord of my future, Lord of my past, Lord of me. And the satisfier of my soul I'm exalting Christ as Lord that's what repentance is so and so then he says that so that my sins might be blotted out that my conscience all of my memory of the past all those skeletons that are dragging along through the corridors of your life can be cut off in a moment of time by faith in the blood of Jesus you're not that person anymore the person that did that stuff and had that stuff done to them by other people, you're not that person anymore. You are dead in Christ. Your past is finished. You don't have to go there. You don't have to drag around your baggage anymore. It's, your conscience has been cleansed. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, he offered himself without spot to God, cleanse my conscience. Cleanse my conscience. Oh yeah, I believe in holy brainwashing and conscious watching. Brainwashing is not a bad thing. People have made it a bad thing. It's an awesome thing. It's one of my great daily needs in my life. My brain gets fouled by listening to other people. My brain gets fouled by watching television and whatever else, hearing the stuff come into my, my gates every day. It gets fouled and polluted, and it has to be washed. My brain has to be washed, and my conscience has to be washed by the Word, by the Spirit, and by the application of the precious, precious blood of Jesus. Wash me again, Lord. Bathe me again in that fountain that flows from Emmanuel's veins. Bask me again in the glory of your presence. Lord, again, let me swim in the crystal river that flows from the throne of God. Wash me, Lord God, today. Oh, yeah, he's washing my conscience where you can no longer, no longer remember the lies you used to tell about your past. You know, I've... I don't know about you, there was a time when I got saved, I couldn't remember the fact from fi fiction because I'd lied so much. And it took a while to sort it out, but God can wash all of that memory junk, wash it, wash it. All the stuff, whether it was a, a divorce, whether it was a heart attack, whether it was a, in, in being in imprisoned, whether it was an abortion, whether it was drug addiction, whether it was betrayal, whether it was adultery or immorality, it can all be washed, not only forgiven, but washed from your conscience so you're not carrying it with you anymore. Clean standing before God, clean before the Lord. 
Amen. And then he says restoration. So that times of refreshing, times of refreshing. So we were repent and converted and our sins are blotted out. So that times of refreshing, the word means proper, it means a recovery of breath, a revival. That we can step in, we can step into God's refreshing for our life, renewing us, hallelujah, day by day by day. Fresh air, fresh breath, fresh wind blowing into my life. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Now we're talking about, we're going to talk about this turnaround. We're turning around. We're turning around from, instead of going 180, you're going this way and you're going to turn around and go the other way. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5, 16. He said, walk. Everyone say walk. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Now this is, this is powerful. We've had this ex- explained to us in so many different ways that we've gotten, got, gotten ourselves confused. But the Bible is simple. Jesus said, give and it shall be given. Ask and you, and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be opened. Paul said, walk in the Spirit. He wasn't talking about any, he wasn't talking about renewing your mind. He wasn't talking about all this stuff that we hear. He was talking about Not that renewing your mind is bad, it's good. I've been preaching about it today, but walking in the Spirit is just that. It's walking in the awareness of the tangible anointing of the Lord, which He's purchased for us. That's what walking in the Spirit is. Walking in the Spirit. This this is one of the great blessings of of Pentecost, the restoration of the the Pentecostal blessing in His church. Beginning in early 1900s, God began to restore and pour out in a large way His Pentecostal blessing, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, the gifts of the Holy Ghost, prophesying and laying hands on the sick, singing in in our heavenly language, all of this charismatic renewal of the gifts of the Holy Ghost are necessary. And Paul said, walk in that. Walk in that. Walk in that. Singing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Becoming childlike in your faith. Now, if anyone wants a good illustration of that, I'm not going to embarrass Chris and make him come up and give us an illustration. But if you really want to get a blessing, go on Facebook and check out the Holy Ghost teacher dance from Friday night. It was, it was absolutely stunning. It was prophetic. But look, look at the, the, beautiful, the beautiful thing about it is that, you know, it was funny. It was laughing. It was, it was a comedy, comic relief moment in the play, obviously. But it was childlike. And that's what we need. And that walking in that by yourself, you get in your prayer closet and you do that. And you'll begin to know what Paul's talking about right here. You'll step over. You'll begin, to, you'll begin to have the sloshing waves spilling over you. Shomoreste, coming over the top. Oh, yeah, I'm beginning to drink in goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy all the days of your life. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit. The flesh, so if you just live in the flesh, you're never in prayer, never reading the Word, Never, not going to church very much, staying away from your home group, not getting spiritual impact, you, you might not be doing really bad stuff yet. You might not be doing bad stuff yet, but, but you're walking in the flesh. You're trying to be a Christian with your own strength and energy without spiritual input, and that leads to destruction. The spirit fl- lusts against the flesh. 
the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you wish. Amen. So we're going to embrace. We're embracing. Everyone say, I'm embracing. Now just reach out and embrace, just take it back to you. I'm embracing this new life. I'm embracing this new life in Christ. So Paul said, we're going back to the text for today. Yet I, indeed, I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. You know, yeah, we suffered the loss of all things. You know, some people gave up a lot. Paul gave up a lot of stuff. I really didn't give up much. I gave up drug addiction. I gave up hangovers. I came up hanging out with some really bad friends. I came up, came up you know, risking my love driving under the influence of God knows what and almost killing myself numerous times. That's what I gave up. But so I, I, gave, I gave up the flesh. I gave up the, the other life. And actually, that's what it is. That other life is a big C-R-A whatever. That's what the other life is. That's what it is. On its best day, that's what it is. Oh, they glom it up and they put gold and glitter and smelly good stuff and it looks cool and it's stylish. It's looking good, but it's just good, stylish dog manure, dog mess. That's all it is. Give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. Before you know it, you'll be smelling like dog mess. It'll get all up in your face and in your nostrils. Dog mess face. <laughs> For whom I've suffered the loss of all things. <laughs> and pray, so he goes on. Let's read the next two verses. And I might be found in him, not having my own righteousness. What is my own righteousness? Trying to be a good person, whether it's a Christian person, whatever your idea of a moral person, a good person, not based on my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. It's like putting on a coat as a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that's received by faith living my life. This becomes the foundation that we make the stand of our life on. This is the foundation for my prayer life. This is the foundation of believing God. This is the foundation for my ministry. This is the foundation for my marriage. This is for my foundation for being a godly man in this world. It's a righteousness that's not my deeds. It's what God has deemed me, what He has declared that I am. The Father I'm, I'm talking about the legal aspect of Christianity right now for a moment. The Father looks at me. The Father looks at me and He sees, literally, He sees the face of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's marked on my face from the Father's perspective. People talk about filtering the world through, through a, a color. We all filter our world through our, our own background, from our own culture. We see things from, from whatever our perspective we come, from our ethnic perspective or whatever it might be. The Father's view of you is colored. It's colored with the blood of Jesus. That's all He can see. He looks at you. He sees Christ. He sees the face of Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees the deeds of Christ. 
You've been marked with the righteousness of Christ, not because that's what you've done, but because that's what he's done. And you've taken it as a gift. I'll take that by faith. I receive it as a gift. This is the foundation that Martin Luther made his stand on the birth of Protestant Reformation. He says, here I stand on this righteousness that comes not by deeds, but by faith in the finished work of the Son of God on the cross. A righteousness that comes by faith. Amen. Now there's the, there's the other side. There's the legal side of the righteousness that comes by faith. But we don't just preach that side. We don't just preach one side of the coin. There's another side of that coin. And the other side of that, we call that first side of the coin imputed righteousness. Everyone say imputed righteousness. Righteousness that's counted to my account. Now there's, a, there's another kind of righteousness which is awesome as well. And we can call that imparted righteousness. Everyone say imparted righteousness. That's righteous. The reality of what Christ, how the Father sees me, is planted as a seed in my heart. It's planted as a seed. The righteousness of God is not only my cloak, but it's a seed planted in my heart. And as I yield, it begins to grow where my deeds begin to take on the characteristics and qualities of Christ, which is my goal from the first day I was saved to my last day, dying day. It's a continual, progressive work that we call sanctification, a transformation by the Spirit and by the Word, where I'm being made into the image of Christ. I'm being made to look like the way the Father sees me. Wow. That's what I want to do. I want to yield. I want to become the Father sees me that way and treats me that way, but I want to become that way too. Listen to this. Paul went on to say that I might know him. He says, I'm pressing on. I'm leaving behind the dog mess. I'm embracing Christ and his excellency. That I might know him. That I might know him. This is Paul as an old man in prison. He says, this is what I'm after. I want to know him more. I met him on the Damascus Road, but I need more of Christ in my life. I want to know him. I want to know Christ. I want to know his love. I want to know his mercy. I want to know his humility. I want to know Christ in my life. I'm pressing on to know the Lord. This is imparted righteousness, becoming like Christ that I might know him and the what? The power of his resurrection. I want that resurrection power working in my life. Oh yeah, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living in my mortal body, affecting my life, affecting my words, affecting my, my lifestyle, affecting my comments, my comments and my commentary, affecting the way I live and why I live my life that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, dying to the old life and putting on the new. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained. This old apostle that had planted churches and shaken the world, they locked him up because of what the trouble he was causing. He, caused, he had more effect in jail than he had when he was loose because we're being affected today. His great letters were written in jail. They thought they were gonna stop. No, they just, they just spread it through the world and spread it through the centuries by locking, locking him up and giving him some time to, to write down what the revelation God had given him of Christ. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on, I'm pushing on. There's more, there's more, there's more that I might lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. 
Now, this is, this is how I want to finish today. We're, we're embracing Christ. We're embracing this transformation. We're, we're embracing this, this new life. I'm standing on the foundation of justification by grace through faith. I'm opening my life that this righteousness of God can, can be formed in me by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. I'm pressing on that I might know the purpose of His calling in my life. Listen to me. The purpose of His calling. His calling of you is not random. It's not by accident. It wasn't an accident that God met Paul, the apostle, on the Damascus Road and ripped him out of his life and put his feet on the gospel path that he had for his life. God has a plan. His plan is perfect. His plan is absolutely perfect. He had a plan for you before there was a you. He had a plan for you when you were being formed in your mother's womb. He pushed the right DNA to make you fearfully and wonderfully made exactly the way he wanted you to be made. He orchestrated the events in your life, even the stuff that looked bad. He's orchestrated all of those things. Because if you'll get a hold of God and let God get a hold of you, the worst moments in your life will become your platform to preach from. It'll become your platform. It'll be the testimony of Jesus. You'll say, yeah, I am. you'll be looking into people's lives that are broken and destroyed. They're sick. Their marriage has been destroyed. They've gone bankrupt. They've lost everything. But I, you have a platform to speak from. You've been there. You've been drugged through the mess of the past life. Christ has drugged you out, and he's in you. You're being transformed. You're turning around. You're embracing Christ as he's embracing you. There's two purposes and plans that we have to grasp by the Spirit. The first one is the one that He has for you. He has a plan for you. It's a beautiful plan. I have a plan for you, says the Lord, a plan of good and not of evil. I've had a plan for you all along. I have a plan for you. It's good. And then, by the Spirit, God's connected you to His church. It's organic. You are connected. You are connected to this church. It's not a, a cafeteria. It's a family. You're joined to it by the Spirit. You've got to let that be worked in your life. Allow the connection to the local church to deepen in your life. Let the Holy Spirit speak into your life, not only the purpose He has for your life, but the purpose He has for our church. Let it be blazoned in your heart. Grasp it. Embrace it. Let his purpose, let his calling that he has on us as a people, as a local congregation, as the people of God here in Metairie, Louisiana, let embrace his plan and his purpose. And you'll be shocked as you see his mosaic come together. And you'll see the plan he has for you and the plan he has for his church in its beautiful intersection. You'll see how it fits together for such a time as this. Oh, God doesn't do accidents. Oh, no, it's a, a beautiful picture. These dwell, joining us together. Oh, we are joining together. One heart, one soul, one purpose. You know, I preached a couple weeks ago about what Jesus called the prayer of agreement. It's a beautiful word. It's the word agreement. It's the word symphonio. It's a beautiful He's describing agreement as not just something where you just pray a casual prayer and say, yeah, I'll agree in prayer with you. He's describing lives that have been organically joined together by the Spirit. They become one in the Spirit, and they begin, they're flowing together. And in that place, Jesus manifests himself. He shows up. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. 
when people are gathered together in the name of Christ, he's there in the midst of them. And then he begins, he says, then whatsoever they, they bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever they loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's describing supernatural impact on their worlds. You know, that's what the Lord is after. He's after harmony and unity in the local church. And when he gets it, when it's birthed by the Holy Ghost, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Oh, yeah. Signs, wonders, and miracles. So today, Lord, here we are, grateful but hungry, satisfied but, but dissatisfied, happy for what you've done but desperate for more. We're grateful for what we've seen, for the great work of salvation we've seen in our lives and the visitations of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're grateful that you've baptized us with the Holy Spirit, but Lord, we know there's more. We know there's more, God, there's way more. And Lord, we know in our heart of hearts that, that you, O oh Lord, have reserved the greatest display of your glory to prepare this earth for the last generation. The greatest moments. Just as you shocked the world at Pentecost, the birthing of your church, Lord God, Lord, our hearts pound in anticipation. Lord, the joyful anticipation deepens as we anticipate the coming of our Lord in the wave of glory and signs and wonders that will hit your church. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.